Hey, Fedheads. Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Uh, I'm your host, Trip. Here with my co-host, Dennis, as always. Uh, Dennis, how you doing tonight? What's up, homie? I'm pumped, man. I'm, I'm really excited about this uh, special sauce we got tonight. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a surprise. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, of course, uh, you're watching Sharing Our Pairings. We're broadcast live on Facebook, around the world, on the Armed Forces Radio Network, uh, and available anytime as a podcast uh, or on the old YouTubes. Um, Brought to you Good old YouTube's federation.com. Um, so let's talk about the cigar first. So we're doing a pairing, and I reached out to uh, our contact at the company that makes this cigar, and they were like, yeah, you can't tell anybody what that is. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know fun. whether... Yeah, so it's a cigar that came from Pro Cigar, so it's out there, um, and consumers have it, but I suspect the name that they gave it is actually a fake name. Um, but the blend itself is an upcoming blend. All we're allowed to tell you is that it's an upcoming Partagas blend. I'm guessing we're going to find out about it in the coming months, maybe at IPCPR, but probably before that. Because um, this is, from, of course, from General Cigar. And they tend to announce stuff before the show and then really show it off at the show. Um, so I think we're going to find out what this is within the next month or two, I hope. Um, but for now, it's kind of a mystery cigar. We know barely anything about the blend that we're not allowed to tell you. Um, but it's really, it's not enough information to know what it's going to taste like or anything, but we're going to smoke it. We're going to pair it with some stuff and see how it is. Um, and then I'm personally, I'm really looking forward to finding out what it is someday. I'm dying, uh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited and it, it just tastes fantastic so far. It's only been a couple yeah, of minutes. It's just so we, good. We thought about substituting the cigar out, but, uh, <laughs> decided why not? We'll, we'll smoke something that's kind of a mystery. Like, uh, that's, that's kind of fun. I like it. Uh, so of course we're going to be pairing it with a couple of different uh, a different different drinks and beverages here. Um, first, let's talk about what the cigar tastes like. What what do you think, Dennis? I always refer to you first so that I can kind of get it in my head and figure it out. I'm getting tons of cocoa on this thing, man, and lots of leather. But that like that that tanned leather, the freshly tanned leather that's got that sort of uh, almost like a bite, like a leathery mm-hmm. bite. That's what I'm getting, and it's really creamy. Just even the first couple of, of minutes of smoking it, it's got tons of cream, and it's smoking really well, which yeah, is you know always a nice, pleasant surprise. Yeah, it's got some, like, I'm really surprised with, I mean, obviously we're going in a little bit blind with this one, um, but I'm really surprised with Apartagus that it's got a little bit of kind of everything. Like, I taste leather. Um, it started off with more spice than it has now. I'm about an inch in, um, and actually... While I'm talking about this, I'm going to try to show you guys the wrapper. Like, the construction on this thing it's pretty sexy. is really impressive. Like, I would not be surprised if this was, like, a $15 cigar plus. Definitely. Uh, because it's got kind of that, like, super straight sides. The wrapper is so flat. There's no, like, seams or bumps or anything or soft spots. Um, there's a lot of uh, attention to detail with the uh, construction on this one. But anyway... It started off with like a, a pepper blast and some leather and some nuts, like mixed nuts kind of, um, and just a little bit of like cocoa. And I feel like the cocoa and the leather are kind of ramping up now, which I think is actually going to go really well with my first beverage here. And it's a spice that, that it, it kind of sits in the back of your throat. Mm-hmm. It's a nice lingering spice. So maybe maybe a red pepper. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, I actually kind of agree. Ooh, and the retrohale is really nice. Yeah, you and you nailed it with cream. It's got some like serious cream in there, which you wouldn't expect from like a, a dark kind of almost Maduro. It's like that that land where you can call it Maduro or not call it Maduro. <laughs> yes. Um, it's up to the manufacturer and what their process was, whether they want to call it Maduro or not, I guess. I'm trying to figure out. There's a flavor that I just suddenly got that I can't identify. Is it? Are you getting a floral? Any floral notes? Because I'm getting some of that. I don't know that if you are. It's it's uh it's kind of tough to, to put my finger on it. And the retrohale is like very spicy for what it is. It's spicy and floral. That is what it it's, is. It's very full. That's the you know that's the other thing. Normally, uh, you know, a lot of cigars we smoke this early on in the cigar, you don't have that level of body just yet. It takes a little time to develop, and with this cigar, it just kind of hit me pretty quick. Yeah, and it's got like a, a chewy quality to the smoke. It's like really oh, thick yeah. and, and rich and flavorful. Um, Man, I can't wait to find out what it is <laughs> at some point in the future where, uh, I mean, we have no idea when we're going to find out what it is because it's shrouded in secrecy, but they're they're letting us smoke it on the air, so that's good. Um, I'm going to talk about my first pairing here. 
and then we'll we'll keep talking about the cigar i'm sure because it's actually a it's a very good cigar i'm really impressed with it so far so my first beverage is a beer comes to me from freem family brewers uh i featured them on the show before so i won't go over their whole history but they were um they're founded in 2012 by a guy who had worked at a uh, a really large brewery in the area called called full sale um and they really really quickly became a very highly regarded brewery in the area all of the hipster spots had like their pilsner or something on tap everybody had something on tap from them um and then a couple years ago they started bottling their beer and now they've got uh, a really good program of rotating beers they they i think they've only got like two or three beers that are regular production and almost everything they make is rotating They've got like seven different IPAs for each season, and they've got an entire barrel age program that I think is all fantastic. And this, if you were looking closely at the video, is from their barrel aged uh, program. So this is a, actually, I'll, I'll hold up the neck there where it's got the label. It is a Flanders style red ale. It's such a cool style. I love it. I wish there was more of it around. Yeah, so I wanted to, uh, before I talk about the beer itself, I wanted to talk about the Flanders style, because I wasn't familiar with it, but it's a really interesting Belgian style where you basically make the wort. So for people who, who aren't familiar with the process of making beer, you make the wort, which is basically the, uh, you, you basically boil the hops and the grains and everything so that you end up with this, I don't, I don't even know what you would call it, the soup. It's a liquid that's all, it's like broth, beer broth. Um, it's water that's infused with all of these flavors. It's pulled all those sugars out. Um, and it's kind of just a really sweet brownish water um, that's got some hops, but really the the hops play more of a, a role in the fermentation uh, for the uh, for the bitterness and the dry hopping and stuff like that than they do in the wort. I mean, there's a little bit of bitterness, but it really takes a while for that to develop. Um and then rather than just put that in a fer- in a fermenter and ferment it uh, into beer, they put it in a barrel and then age it for a, a period of time. I'm not sure how long. Um, I know Freem doesn't say exactly how long they do it for, but they age it in a barrel, then they add the yeast. And the barrel, one of the really important things is the barrel is unsanitized. So it's got bacteria in there oh, yeah. from whatever was in there before. Uh probably a little bit of yeast less left over they're like they wash these but they're not like scrubbed out or sanitized or anything like that which is what you usually do with a barrel to make sure that you're not getting any foreign contaminants but of course the belgians do not care about foreign contamination not at all <laughs> um <laughs> and so you end up with a little bit more of the barrel character than you would expect so this is a uh, a flanders style red ale so they uh i mean find the description here it's brewed in the traditional method with munich and caramel malts then aged in a large unsterilized wooden barrel then they add wild yeast and acid producing bacteria like uh in this case it's lactobacillus and, and bradycytomites yeah uh, they they uh they started the recent recent years they started really using a lot of, of both they do a nice blend of both i think when it uh i guess the old classic styles really used mostly lacto so this one is using Gambrinus Canadian Pilsner malt, Cara mm. Munich malt, Cara Aroma, and Cara for three. I don't know what Cara for three is. Um, and then they're also using Hallertau Tradition hops. And then the yeasts that they're using are Belgian ale yeast, Britannomyces, and Lactobacillus. And they they age all of that together for 18 months in French oak Pinot Noir barrels. So this clocks in at a measly nine IBUs um, and a pretty solid 7.1% ABV. The tasting notes they give before I start tasting are bright red with hints of brown. Um, I'm not sure colors are taste. <laughs> colors aren't really tasting notes. You know the, the brown crayon that, that we all ate as kids? Like It's probably like that, right? Yeah, maybe that's what they're talking about. Subtle uh, notes of brown crayon. I copied this from their website, and I feel like they're not describing the taste. I feel like they're describing the color, which I'll show off here. I mean, it's not really bright red, um, but it oh, does have pretty. like a, a, it has a slight reddish hue. Um, and what I didn't mention is this is I I have had this for over a year, um, so it's from like January of last year. It's a it's been uh, resting a while, which. For IPAs, you never, ever, ever, ever want to do that. You don't want to drink a year-old IPA. It's not going to be a good 
a good situation for you. Um, not because <laughs> it's going to be terrible, but it's not going to taste anything yeah, like what it. It won't be the same. Anything with Britannomyce or Lactobacillus tends to age really well because the the Britannomyce uh, increases in sourness and funk over time, while Lactobacillus kind of fades away. Um, it starts off super acidic and super sour, um, and it fades away over time. So this should be a nice mix of the Britannomyce kind of flavor and the Lactobacillus. Um, but anyway, on back to their uh, tasting notes. Aromas of fresh cherry, orange zest, and tobacco with flavors Ooh. of fresh cherry, leather, Pinot Noir, and sour apple. Finishes tart, round, and beautiful. Um, so I'm going to take a couple sips of this because it sounds delightful and let you talk about your first beer. Man, I, I got a couple of hot ones for tonight, as I normally do. But tonight, I think, <laughs> is going to be this is going to be the true test of my palate because I have uh, some double IPA action to start with. And, you know, I usually ramp it up. So we'll see. You guys will see what happens at the end. Uh, my first beer it comes from... It might from, get a little silly. It might. I mean, I got some hot stuff here. So we'll see. Uh, my first beer comes from New Jersey. And let me just adjust my camera. Okay. Kind of a cool label. Comes from Bolero Snort out of New Jersey. And these guys actually brew out of uh, Dallastown, Pennsylvania. Uh, and it's Windridge uh, Brewing Company out there that, that makes all the beers for them. They do the recipes. And kind of the gypsy style where... Windridge will produce the beers and can them, and then uh, Bolero Snore will go out and, and distribute them. So this beer is called Crooked Labels, double IPA. My camera's out of focus. Let's see if I get it back. There it is. It happens. Your your camera is just uh, it's, it's it's always a, a little beers wonky. ahead of you. It you know what? That's a good way to put it. I think so. Uh, it's kind of cool. Let me read you the the kind of the description that they have for it. It's an occasional release beer, so you can get it. You know, every every couple of months they'll make it. Uh, they say, paying homage to the many, many, many hand-labeled bottles and cans that we've managed to apply in a less-than-uniform manner, sticky, resinous, and dripping with ripe mango, tangerine, and orange marmalade, or marmalade, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, dude, I marmalade? Well, it's uh, Flula. Flula Borg likes to say marmalade. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Flula. A jar. That, that whole thing, the rant he had in the car about his jar. I, I must the have door missed jar. that one. <laughs> it's great. Oh, that one. Yes, I do remember oh, yes. that one. <laughs> the door is not ajar. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Um, I love that guy. He's great. Uh, so this beer is 8.5%. So you know, clearly that double IPA scale. The cool thing about this, though, and, and I thought this was kind of interesting. I had no idea. I've had this beer before. I had no clue. They use something called acidulated malt. Uh, and that's something that they use generally to reduce the wort pH. You end up getting a better mash, a more stable and intense fermentation, and it kind of helps improve some of the the flavors at the cost of producing a slightly lighter beer than normal, uh, which is fine, of course. But it, I'm, it's I'm actually cool. I'm a really big fan of light double IPAs. Oh, I love them. like super malt forward. Yeah, I love those too. I think it's it's great. Yeah, that's a nice color. See, that's a good uh, color for a double IPA for me. It's nice. It's a good it's a good mid range, but they they took it to the next level though. They use that. And then they go in and they throw in a bunch of different types of malts. They use Pilsner, Wheat, Vienna, and then this acidulated malt. And then they threw in 007 hops, which is the, the golden hop, I guess. Uh, I've never really seen it, I don't think. Maybe I've crossed it once or twice. But it, it's kind of funky, and I'm wondering if that's some of the uh, the tangerine, where the tangerine flavors are coming out of. And, man, uh, it's great. It, it really is super mango. I'd say even papaya, but it's a really thick starting beer as my first pairing and it's it's kind of fitting nicely with the creaminess of the cigar nice how's your first uh, pairing i'll talk about that in a second don bleaker is watching he missed the the first couple minutes and wants to know what we're smoking uh, don we are smoking a mystery uh so this is a cigar from partagas that we got at pro cigar 2018 um but uh when when i reached out to ask for the blend details so that we would have everything up to date our contact said uh, that is an unreleased blend. All you can say is that it's it's an unreleased blend from Partagas, uh, and they're they're not releasing any more details from that. Or it's rather, sorry, it's an upcoming blend. Um, so this is something that we're going to be able to buy and smoke as much as we want of. Uh, but for now, it's a secret, and even we have no idea what we're smoking, uh, which is kind of fun. I I think that's a uh, an interesting way to do an episode. Um, and it's got like. Man, it's got so much character, and like again, I talked about the construction before. Like, look how well rolled that wrapper is. Like, it's a gorgeous cigar. 
which I'm I'm really surprised by because uh, to be honest, I don't expect that out of Partagas. Partagas I expect to be a solid eight dollar cigar that's going to be good every time, but you know it's not going to blow your mind. Uh, and this I feel like is closer to their high end offerings that they've done before, like the uh, the Partagas one fifty and stuff like that. Oh like yeah. The, Sixteen twenty dollar partigas. Um, yeah, Don. It's got like it's got like a nice oily wrapper, um, and we can't say what country the wrapper is from, but I think you'd be surprised. Very um, surprised, yeah. It's. I mean, so far this is a fantastic cigar. I'm. I'm really, really surprised by it. I was and, gonna say it's. Uh, it's almost like a a partigas plus. You know, there's that <laughs> little bit extra edge to it that is surprising. It's a pleasant surprise to see from a partigas cigar. Yeah, exactly. it's very nice. So, uh, so the interesting thing about this pairing, when you smell it, it smells, it reminds me of the rosé that I had last week. Oh, like really? It, smell, it smells, you smell the Pinot Noir for sure. Um, and then there's like, you can actually smell a little bit of the yeast and that kind of Belgian style. And I'm not sure if it's that I'm smoking a cigar, but there really is like, a, a, you can smell a little bit of tobacco in there. Do you like, notice a- Like old dried tobacco. Do you notice a dryness from the both from the barrel and I guess from some of the the yeast elements? Um, it's surprisingly sweet, actually. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I think that has to do with it being a red rather than like a, a Flanders style blonde, because um, reds, you know, they're they're very malt forward, and it really covers up the malt a lot. It's a lot drier than I would expect a red ale to be, um, but it's you know it's it's got definitely got a sweetness there. Um, and when you taste it, it's all like sweet and sour cherries. Like, <laughs> I mean, not like sweet and sour like Chinese food, but like sweet cherries and sour cherries together. Um, like if you've ever had um, like a, a can't I'm trying to think of what the word for it is, like a maraschino cherry that's made with a sour cherry. Um, a maraschino cherry that's been left out in a field for a couple of months to ferment naturally. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> <laughs> um, more like uh, like a Luxardo cherry kind of. Oh, where it's okay, got yeah. That really intense sweetness, but it's also really sour. Um, and like, I'm really surprised by how much Pinot Noir is in it. Like, with my eyes closed, I might think this was like some weird sparkling wine. It's got enough of That's the cool. from the barrel that it it really comes out. And we're a couple minutes late, but we're gonna take a quick break for one of our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with more parents. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage featuring a Rosado, Ecuador, and Habana wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvanian, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. All right, and we're back. Um, <clears throat> I just finished tasting my Flanders-style red ale, and I think it covers up too many of the flavors of the cigar. Like, the cigar's got a real intensity, but the sourness um, detracts from the sweetness and the spice of the cigar a little bit. I still get the leatheriness um, but I and the kind of cocoa and nuts, but I'm missing out on that spice that was uh, really enjoyable before. How's your first pairing? Um you know, I was actually just thinking about it. It's I, at first I said the the body and the sweetness was really nice, and I'm kind of getting to that point in the cigar where the the profile is getting a little bit less creamy and more almost meaty, almost like that walnut skin kind of. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say tannic, but uh, that that sandpapery walnut skin kind of essence. Oh yeah, I I definitely taste that. And so that's kind of changed a little bit the way that the cigar or the the beer rather is is jiving. It's still great though. Still getting tons of mango on there. Nice. I'm going to talk about my next pairing here. Um, my next pairing is one that I've I've had on the show before, but it's been a little bit since I've had it. Um, and I actually got some some good notes this time. I got the story behind it, kind of. Um, so this is oh, nice. Johnny Walker, the Explorers Club, the Spice Road. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, the Spice Road or the Explorers Club collection, all of them are exclusives to duty-free shops around the world. Um, I've never seen a duty-free shop where you couldn't buy this. Um, like Mexico, Nicaragua, anywhere in the U.S., Canada, Europe, everywhere I've been, you can get this for a pretty reasonable price for the most part. Um, 
it tends to run between 30 and 40 bucks for a, a one liter bottle. Um, and then sometimes they'll do like, I think, I think I might've gotten two for 50 at one point for these. It might've been three that's, for 60, that's not three bad for at all. 75 or something like that. Um, but it's, they've got like, I kind of like the labels on these. They're a little classier than the regular Johnny oh, Walker. Oh, definitely. Definitely classier. Um, and I actually looked up the story of Johnny Walker that I, I wasn't familiar with before. I, I've had this on the show before, but I've never really talked about the story. So Johnny Walker was the brand sort of started somewhere around 1925, but it seems like nobody's sure based on the info that I've gotten. And John Walker worked at a grocery store and he was a teetotaler. And it sounds like he might've owned the grocery store, but that's not clear in any of the uh, articles or anything that I've read. And around 1925, he started selling spirits for the grocery store. And in the process of doing that, ended up creating blended whiskeys for people. So he would he would do blended malt and blended grain because at that time it was illegal to mix malt uh, malt whiskey and grain whiskey. Um, and after a few years, he started putting his name on the bottle, John Walker. And then he passed away in nineteen in eighteen fifty seven. Um, when he died, his son took over the business and started to focus a lot more on the whiskey. In 1860, they legalized um, blended malt and grains again. Um, so as most people know, uh, Johnny Walker is considered a blended scotch whiskey. It's not a blended malt. It's not a blended grain because it's a mix of grain whiskeys and malt whiskeys from different distilleries. And his son, in 1960, very shortly after that legislation passed, he introduced the square bottle with the, this is another fun fact that I didn't know. The labels are always applied at exactly a 24 degree angle. They always really? have okay. for, for over a hundred years. Why uh, is that? It was just to stand out on the shelf. The, the square bottles of course were to save space because you end yeah, up with less shipping. breakage and you end up with uh, smaller crate, smaller cases uh, for the whiskey or probably crates at that point since they didn't really have cardboard in the 1860s. Um, and that's when oh, it really started to turn into a brand and they were called Johnny Walker and stuff. Um, and in the years after that, they made a bunch of different blends. They've had a bunch of changes. They've owned distilleries. Um, they've bought several distilleries that they used uh, like for a lot of their blends. And then they've, they've gotten a, he a hefty stake in a lot of distilleries. Um, and then, of course, I didn't look up the details. At some point, they were purchased by Diageo. And now they're oh, one of the... Okay if not the one of the best selling whiskeys or scotch whiskeys in the world. Um, I mean, if you go somewhere that doesn't have any scotch, chances are they're still going to have Johnny Walker. Yeah, that is so true. I've been to some weird places and everybody always has at least one bottle of something, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's uh, the black or the red or anything. So now on to the, the spice road version. Um, there's not a lot of details on it. Um, they don't really give too much in the way of like, this is how it's different from the red and the black and all the others. Uh, my suspicion based on the taste, I think it's kind of a twist on the red. Um, that's a wholly positive change. Cause I think the red is kind of bad. Um, I like the red is just a rough, rough whiskey. Um, and, uh, not a good example of scotch in my opinion. This reminds me a little bit of the flavors in the red, but none of those bad flavors that come along okay. with it. None of that roughness. Um, and it's named the Spice Road after a, a trading route that went between Southeast Asia and Spain, um, just because all the Explorers Club versions are named after some some route from the late 1800s, mid-1800s, when they were, they were doing a lot of trading on boats. So I'm going to take a couple sips of my Johnny Walker, find out what your next pairing is. So my next pairing is another offering from the New York City Tri-State area from Single Cut Beersmith, or Beersmiths, I should say. Um, and this is something that I think is locals coveted. If you're a beer guy, you love this. This is a double IPA, 8.6%. And let's see if I can get you a shot. So softly spoken uh, magic spells. It's really very kind of funky double IPA with these super intense, uh, almost... I've said papaya before, but this one is very strong, forward papaya, tangerine. It's 131 IBU. So, wow. you know, formidable, really, really L formidable. Literally off the charts. It is off the charts. It's <laughs> insane. And, you know, 8.6%, it's another heater for a double IPA. Uh, pretty light in color, too. Mm -hmm. Getting some glare off of that. But, you know, very light colored. 
But as soon as you take a sip of it, it's got this really intense, thick body to it. And, uh, you know, the hops, I couldn't find what, what hops they used for this, but I can tell you for sure, Mosaic is definitely a huge, like I've had a lot of Mosaic hop beers. I definitely know Mosaic is in this. Mosaic is one of those hops that once you know what it tastes like, you can oh, pick it out of you, a lineup. Anywhere, anywhere. You could throw that into coffee and I'll tell you exactly it's Mosaic. Kind of like Citra. Citra is C- very Citra's, similar in that Citra's way. Very it's big as super well. identifiable. It's kind of like um, if there's a leaf of Pennsylvania broadleaf in a cigar, you mm-hmm. can always taste that Pennsylvania you can, broadleaf. You can definitely pick it up. Um, and so there's something else in here that's giving it this really intense, mm, like, dankness, sticky hop mm-hmm. dankness. The resins stay on your palate. They stay on your tongue afterward. And it's a little bit weird. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's a cigar or if it's this particular can of beer that I've had sitting around for a little bit. It tastes like onion bagels, if that's that makes any sense. the craziest thing I've ever heard. I've like, never tasted literally... an IPA that tastes <laughs> anything like onion. And, and I'm, I'm willing to put money down on it. I, I can do a blind te- taste test with anybody who wants. Come down to New York. We'll do it. It tastes like onion bagels, man. It's insane. Like a New York, like uh, uh, New York in Manhattan toasted oh, yeah. onion bagel with cream cheese. It's insane. I don't know if it's the That's cigar crazy. playing off of the beer and the hops or it, it's pretty groovy, though. I've, I've had a lot of this beer over the last year, and it's just phenomenal if you're a double IPA guy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm reaching the midway point of this cigar. Um, I lit this up like this is a big cigar, so I, I can say how big it is. So it's seven by 52. Um, I'm reaching the halfway point and it's starting to ramp back up again. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, and Steve Christopher wants to know when they're releasing these cigars. We have no idea. We don't know what it is. We don't know anything about it. All we know is that we have them. And that, and that we like them. Gets, and we have and to suffer like now. Um, we have to wait. <laughs> I'm guessing, like, uh, I would assume uh, the way the way that General generally does things hey, uh, is <laughs> that they almost never release anything uh in an off time of the year. So basically they announce everything leading up to IPCPR and then pretty much everything is out within a couple months from IPCPR. Uh, they're very, uh, they're very scheduled that way. So I think I, I would be really confident in saying this is something we might see before IPCPR, but we're definitely going to see at IPCPR. Um, and then we'll probably release sometime before the end of the year, if not during, just before, right after IPCPR. I really hope as soon as possible. I'm I'm loving this cigar. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Like I I wouldn't love to. I wouldn't smoke this size all the time. Um, but if I could get it in like a robusto or a corona. Oh I would, yeah. Oh yeah. I could see myself smoking a lot of these. Easily. Same here. And I forgot to think about my uh, spice road too much during that, so I'm going to take a couple more noses and a couple more sips. Um, so one of the really interesting things about this one is there's there is a hint of smoke. There's barely any like peat smoke in this, but there's a hint. Um, like I would guess, I would guess they added either a little bit of Kauila or a little bit of like Ardbeg into it. Um, really? It's just got okay. a tiny bit of that smoke, but it's it's mostly like baking spices, cinnamon, um, nutmeg. There's a little bit of like a a ginger kind of bite, like a like a spice on the palate, um, and then it finishes a little bit rough, which in a good way, like, you know, it's, it leaves like that lingering spiciness on your palate, kind of like a peppery cigar does. Um, it's not harsh, but it's a spicy. It sounds pretty good. Don Bleeker says more like an Irish whiskey. Personally, I don't have a lot of experience with Irish. Um, like most of my experiences with the Jameson kind of stuff, which I'm just not a big fan of. It's overly sour to me. Like I get a, like a lot of sour apple kind of flavor from it that I really don't like. Um, I think this is too intense to be something like an Irish whiskey. It's not, it's, it's not light bodied or anything like that. It's just got that touch of smoke, but then a lot of sweetness and a lot of spice, um, both baking spice and a little bit of like a peppery gingery kind of spice. Yeah. Blends are tough, you know, especially if you're a single malt guy, um, jumping into a blend, you're either going to love it or probably you're not going to like it at all. You know, most people, when, when you talk about blended whiskeys, they're, they're very divided. Yeah, um, I, in my opinion, blended scotches get kind of a bad rap. Um, oh, they a do. Lot of people, a lot of people think a blended scotch is inferior to a single malt, which it's it's different, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. 
the problem is a lot of the blended scotches that people have access to are subpar. Uh, they're blending a lot of grain whiskey. Oh, they're yeah. going more for a, uh, how to say it, a, they're going for a friendly approach rather than doing something bold. Um, what I found with the Explorers Club collection is that they're a little more bold and they're kind of, uh, the flavors are a little more off the beaten path, if you will, than the regular Johnny Walkers. Um, Johnny Walker Red in particular is just kind of bland for me and a little bit harsh. Uh, Johnny Walker Black has a little bit of that smoke, like an Isla, but it's lacking in body a little bit and complexity. Um, I feel like with the Explorers Club collection, it's just, it's like a notch above where the black is, like maybe where the in the in the range of where the double black is. Like you're starting to get into good blended whiskey. If you've never had something from Compass Box, though. Like Compass Box is the, as a company, is the holy grail of blended it's whiskey. It's impressive. They, yeah. they go nuts. They do crazy blending projects. Um, a really interesting thing is they. I need to get some. I really want to have some on on the show, uh, but I just I can't get it in my area. I think I need to order some little bottles for some of our Scotch episodes that we have coming up. But oh, I can I anyway. can hook you up. Nice. Compass Box makes high end blended whiskeys. Like they kind of start in the. 35 to 40 dollar range for their very very low end stuff um but then they've got some stuff that they is like 300 400 700 a bottle for blended whiskeys because they're using scotches that are some of them are i think 30 40 years old and the really interesting thing is it's illegal for them to tell you what they put in there that's how blended yeah. scotch works Legally, you can only call it a blended scotch. You can't say where you got any of the scotch or how much of each one is in there or how old it is. Um, but if you go to their website, they will email you as a private consumer who swears they won't tell anybody what what they saw. They will tell you exactly what is in every single version of their whiskey. They'll tell you it's 25% this, uh, it's this amount of years old from this distillery finished in this kind of barrel. Uh, they will tell you every single detail and they don't skimp. They've done, they've done a couple that, uh, what was it? They were allowed to, so you're allowed to say the minimum age that's in the bottle. So they made, I think it's called, this is not a three-year whiskey or not three-year whiskey or something like that. They did 1% three-year whiskey and everything else is over 21 years old. So they've, and the, everything else is between like, 21 and 35 years old it's insane um but they call it a three-year whiskey because legally they have to um kind of as a joke and they've got stuff all over the place but anyway i'm getting way off topic here um <laughs> what i'm i say all that to say this is a very good whiskey it's it's blended but it's very good um i've said before that when we went to nicaragua for the first time rob picked up oh that's right a bottle yeah. of this and uh over the course of about over the course of two nights, I guess, we just demolished a liter of it. It was just gone um, because we could not stop drinking it. It's so good. Um, and I've, I've cooled off on a little bit. I've got a couple bottles in the house um, just because I can only buy it when I travel. But like this is a, a blended scotch that I never have a problem drinking a glass of like while I'm watching TV, or, which is exactly what I want something like this for. If I'm going out and having a cigar, I can just grab this and not like, you know, when you've got a hundred dollar bottle of scotch, you're like, I don't know if I want to drink it. You know, this cigar might not be good enough for that scotch. And this this is a good scotch that I never have that conversation in my head about. Uh, and Don Bleeker says to try Teeling Small Batch. It's aged in bourbon barrels and finished in Florida Cana barrels. Really? Uh, OK, that sounds right up my alley. I'm going to be awesome. looking for that when I go out to the bar on St. Patrick's Day. How's that IPA pairing for you? You know, better than my first. It's not as... Um... It's got a little bit more edge than the first double IPA. It's more of those citrus rind notes versus the first one was a lot sweeter and it had a lot more of that lingering body to the hop. So this is more, I guess I'd say, uh, it's a drier IPA. And I think it's pairing really well with the second third. Good. Um, in my opinion, I find sweet IPAs go better with cigars, but I prefer drier IPAs, which is a weird thing. I'm, I'm the same. I'm exactly the same way. Um drier ipas tend to have like that astringency from the hops where they kind of like shock your palate oh i love that and then you, then yeah. you can't taste the cigar as much which is my problem so we're going to take another quick break here then we're going to move on to our final pairing of the night 
Um, we'll be right back. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today. All right. And as we were saying during the break, um, this cigar is so good. I'm really impressed with it. It's getting a little more like the, the body is ramping up a little bit. It started off kind of medium plus and now it's kind of firmly in the full bodied category. Um, and the spice is ramping up and so is the nuttiness. So I was saying that it's, it reminds me of like dried, uh, like almond shells or almond skins maybe, um, with peanut butter. Like it's got that creaminess but that nuttiness um and then a hefty dose of black pepper to back it up yeah that pepper is really sticking strong still mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm really impressed and i'm going to talk about my final pairing here so my final pairing comes to me from elijah craig oh, uh, always so good it is and this is a special one because this let me get it in focus there is a a barrel oh, that yeah. was selected for saints and sinners oh um, lucky bastard yeah, I managed to get in, like, <laughs> if you're not in Saints and Sinners, you're not going to know what we're talking about, because this is a thing they do only for the members, um, but they release single-barrel bottles, um, and this one was, like, a surprise one, where nobody knew when it was coming, and suddenly they just emailed everybody and said, hey, it's out, uh, buy it as fast as you can, and I managed to score a bottle. Um, yeah, I out missed of, it. <laughs> out, of three, out of four that I've tried to get, I've missed out on three of them, um, and this is the first one I've gotten to try, and... A very strange thing about this is I'm. it says barrel number three on it, but there's no other information. There's no information <laughs> on how old it is or anything, which makes me wonder if this is after the 8 to 12-year-old barrels have been vatted a little bit um, and they haven't done the final vatting, but it's bottled at the same proof that the production stuff is bottled at. Um, and they don't tell you how old the barrel is, which leads me to believe that Either they cut it with water after it leaves the barrel, or they um, actually have vatted it already and cut it and are, are doing like a finishing barrel. But the problem is I'm not sure. There's no details on it. Uh, a really weird thing is it's got apparently all bottles of Elijah Craig small batch have it. It's got a serial number right there. And you can't like with, with most uh, luxury goods that come with the serial number like cigars and stuff like that, you can look up what that serial number means. Like it would, I was hoping that it would tell me what barrel this came from or something like that. Um, but they don't have any way to look that up. So <laughs> I don't know why they even put serial numbers I, on it. I bet if, if you it, contacted them, you probably could find out. Maybe, maybe I should have done that with, in the days before this, but maybe next time I'll have that information. Um, but this is a single bottling or a single barrel bottling um, that the guys from Saints and Sinners, so... I'm not sure who exactly did the selection, but I'm guessing it was Pete and probably Casper. Um, some of the, you know, Pete Johnson, Casper Johnson, who are unrelated. But, um, man, Casper Johnson left the cigar industry this week. Makes yeah. me feel a little bit sad. Um, and I, I can't stop getting off on tangents here. But I'm going to take a couple sips of my Elijah Craig. And actually, before I do that, I did, I did want to talk. I took notes. Man, I don't even feel like I'm not even, like, getting in my head or anything from the alcohol. I'm just like... I got off. I got off on a tangent, and now I can't get back. Uh, so Elijah Craig. The reason it's called Elijah Craig is actually really interesting because Elijah Craig is very uh, controversially credited as the father of bourbon. Um, so some people say, most people say that in the mid the mid eighteen hundreds is when uh, when bourbon was really started, and Elijah Craig died in eighteen oh eight. But in Somewhere in the late 1700s, early 1800s, he discovered, according to legend, that uh, putting his moonshine into a barrel that had been charred on the inside made it taste way better. And uh, he's credited as the f- person who discovered that, but it's it's very hotly contested. Many people say that <laughs> it didn't actually come in to, like, that didn't start happening until 20 or 30 years after he died. So nobody knows the real story behind that. Um, but the thing that makes me think of 
is I want to know what scotch tasted like before they had bourbon barrels to put it in. Because like 99% of scotches are aged in X bourbon barrels. Um, and I'm just curious what it tasted like before bourbon barrels existed. But I'm going to take a couple sips of my Elijah Craig, uh, see how that pairs with the Partagas mystery cigar. And I bet Dennis, it's going to be awesome. I'm sure it will be. Dennis is going to talk yeah. about his last pairing as soon as we get back from this break. This segment is brought to us by... Who are they brought, Drew who's State? brought to us by? There we go. Drew State, guys. Mmm, they good. Uh, I got to show mean, this off, too. Oh, there you go. Get some... Dude, go on Safari, get some stuff painted. Check or out their app. Or on the Drew Diplomat app. Um, the Drew Diplomat app, it can uh, tell you where the closest place you can get Drew Estate cigars is. Um, and depending on which line you want, they can actually tell you which store, uh, which level of store it is. So you can find the nearest gas station for your acid um, C-notes, I think they're called, those ones in the little pouches. Yep. Or you can find the nearest place to get some uh, some high-end stuff like uh, Liga Privada, Debonair. Um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? F- FSG, the stuff that's only available from the DDRP retailers. Yeah. Um, and then when you smoke it, you check it in, uh, get some comments from randos on it about how much they love what you're smoking, and get some points so you can bid on cool stuff that Jesse and his crew have painted. A lot of awesome stuff on there. People win all the time, and they add more stuff. There, There's more stuff on there than there are people, and there's thousands probably at this point of people on there. So go on there, check it out. It's pretty cool. Nice. Um, and before you talk about your last pairing, uh, first, shout out to Jerry Stash. Thanks for watching, brother. We appreciate it. Um, and Don Bleeker wants to know what the proof of this Elijah Craig is. It is the standard at 94 through 47% ABV. That's good stuff. And- I and he also that. says so the barrel proof was uh, number one by Whiskey Advocate last year. Um, that barrel proof is some good stuff, man. And it's kind of like um, it's kind of like Booker's or some oh, of the yeah. other like Booker's or Eagle Rare or some of the other single barrel whiskeys that every single version of it is a little bit different. Um, you can buy a bottle this week and it'll taste one way and then you'll buy a bottle next week and it'll oh, yeah. be sweeter or spicier or oakier. Um, but there's there's an interesting amount of variance in what it tastes like, and people kind of track that, which is really interesting. It's it's always really exciting. I I buy Booker's regularly, and I you know every every couple of months I'll get another bottle or two, and it's always cool to see that progression and see those differences. So I'm gonna get into my last pairing. I promised you guys that it's gonna be crazier than the first two, and <laughs> it is. It's it's an Imperial Porter. All right, eleven point five percent. So this is Ooh, like that's a heater. It's for a porter, especially, right? It's it's really pushing that 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 envelope for for that style. Um, and of course, who else does it come from than uh, Evil Twin? Of course. And for those of you guys that don't know who Evil Twin is, I'll tell you, uh, they are from based out of originally from Denmark, they moved over to the U.S. They've got a huge presence in New York, and I think generally on the East Coast, they're pretty pretty widely available. Um, very. It's one of those gypsy breweries, right? They they pretty much go wherever they can. They design the beers, so to speak, and then that stuff is brewed by somebody else for them. And they, they brew it all over the world. All um, over. Yeah, absolutely. They've got uh, – uh, what is what do they call it? Uh, I don't remember what it's called. They have uh, Imperial – not Biscotti Break, the one that that's based on. What is it called? Uh, Mexican Coffee? Cake? Mexican Cake, yes. Mexican, Mexican Cake, cake Break. Brewed in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They do some wild stuff. Yeah, they've got stuff brewed all over the world. And it's worth mentioning that the reason they're called Evil Twin is because of two twin brothers. Yes. That one started Mickler and then they had a huge falling out and then the other one started Evil Twin. Um, So there's always a little bit of like comparison between those two brands, which are very, very different. They're they're (laughs) so different. You couldn't even. It's insane. And, you know, it's funny. I've, I've seen arguments between the two saying like, oh, you know, my beer is is very extreme but i'm still trying to be conservative and the other guy says the, the exact same thing mm-hmm. so really I, i'd love to see a collaboration between the two i'm sure it's never going to happen but that'd be pretty cool that would be interesting <laughs> imagine or or even if like somebody did a uh because they both do kind of the gypsy brewing thing yes if they if somebody tricked them into doing a versus beer that would be interesting oh that would be phenomenal um, but I'm not sure if they could actually make that happen or not. It would, it would, it would certainly sell, right? At least pe- people mm-hmm. are so hyped about both both breweries, both brands. They would go and just empty the shelves immediately. Yeah. And actually, I, I didn't even say what the name of this beer is. I'll show you guys the can again. It is the 
the glazed imperial donut break. And so this is a little bit different than the regular imperial donut break. This has, among other things, it has tons of donuts. They actually throw donuts into the brew and they brew with donuts, uh, which, which is cool. They add coffee, they add vanilla, they add almonds. That's their standard kind of recipe. And then they went nuts with this one and they threw in uh, a bunch of donuts, which brings this porter to that next level. You get a lot of that extra sugar that ferments out. You get a hotter beer. Uh, I shouldn't say hot. It's not actually hot, but it's a, it's a stronger beer. Mm-hmm. And it's really thick. I mean, this is like... I mean, that doesn't is, look like any porter that I've had. No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, this is this is basically a stout. It's so yeah, thick. Yeah, it's creeping into imperial body. stout territory. Yeah, it's uh, it smells exactly like donuts. It's coffee and donuts. You know, you go in the morning to your diner or your, your little bagel shop, in New York at least, um, and you, you get a donut and you get a coffee. And it, it's it's got elements of that. And it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. And Chico Ray, I see your comment. I'm going to ask Dennis about that after he tastes it. So Chico Ray wants to know if it's a bit sweet. Oh, I'm guessing it's, it's pretty sweet. It is stupidly sweet. <laughs> a lot of I residual mean, sugar in that one. It's like it's sweet to the point where it's it's sticky and it stays on the palate. And the the notes after are initially you get the sweetness from the donut, you get the almond, and you get the coffee. But once that subsides you get a lot of this raisin, sticky raisin sweetness. Like if you ever left a box of raisins out in the summer, oh yeah, it's kind of like that. But it's not hot. It's not, um, you can't feel that it's 11.5%. If you didn't tell me what it was, I would never know. I, I could never guess. Maybe yeah. after, you know, a pint or two. I could yeah, after it. a pint, you'd be like, <laughs> I was 11%, was it? And to, to be fair, this, this is a 16-ounce can. Like these guys are out for business. You know, you, you get your money's worth with this stuff. <laughs> i like i like the, you get your money's worth yes you do <laughs> for about i don't know what do they charge for a can of that like five bucks 550 no dude not even the, a can oh, of really? this okay so a can of this uh this is kind of rare so a can of this in a store in new york is going to cost you uh probably 10 bucks oh okay that's still in not a, like well in a bar a can of that is going to cost yeah. you probably 15 or 16 and they have a beer coming out soon which uh, I forgot what it was called. You can look it up. It's something wild. Very limited release. They want to charge something like uh, the margins basically bring it up to $30 an 8-ounce pour Ooh. in New York. I don't know who's going to pick that up, but that's, that's what their reps are. I'm kind of in the rep underground in New York a little bit, and uh, <laughs> I've heard some things behind the walls. I'd buy it. I'd, I'd be happy to try it just once, but I don't know if bars are going to pick up on it. It's a lot. I'd try it, but that sounds. It's yeah. It's it, I mean, it's, as a bar, as a business, it's also tough to sell a beer like that, no matter how yeah. rare or how good. Dude, Heady Topper is still like a ten ten dollar can in New York whenever you can find it. Yeah, but a, a lot of that is people just charging because it's Heady Topper, right? Uh, well, that's Heady Topper actually has very strict rules on the the sale of their cans. Who gets it first of all, but also. Yeah. How you sell. If I go into a bar in New York and I buy Hetty Topper, I can't leave with that can. I have to consume it on premise. Oh. And they actually they check for that. And if you if you mess around with that a little bit, you mm-hmm. lose your you lose your kind of privilege to get Hetty Topper in the future. Wow. And Focal Banger and all the other stuff that they produce. Yeah. Which is crazy. But I get wow, it. That's you know, crazy. From the limited perspective, it's it's understandable. People are so wild about that. Yeah, you have people buying cases of it from the bar for twenty five dollars a can. Oh yeah, man! This this Elijah Craig is fantastic. I mean, Elijah Craig small batch is always good. It's I've never had like even since they took the age statement off. Um, it's lost a little. It's changed. It hasn't necessarily lost it, but it's changed. Um, I find it's a little more rounded now, a little less spicy, a little more sweet. Um, this reminds me of the Elijah Craig twelve that used to. Um, it's like it's hot. I mean. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this was over 94 proof because it's hot and it's like it's got that like belly warming kind of hotness. Oh, yeah. You feel it coming down. I love Um, that. But it's I mean, it's just such a good bourbon. It's got everything you want in a bourbon. It's got vanilla and uh, like I I, I always try to think of how to describe the sweetness of bourbon. It's not easy. It's not like toffee. Toffee caramel. I mean, but it's, it's still even that doesn't do it justice. Yeah, it's more like a it. It's a hard candy type of sweetness, um, but then it's got like that bite on the back end that I really love, and then that heat going down. It's good. This is good stuff. Elijah Craig never disappoints with the cigar. 
Yeah, how's that cigar going for you so far? Um, any, how's that nuttiness? I mean, for me, it's it's developing more toward the wood, you know, the yeah. cedar, cedar it's, and nut. For me, the cedar and the uh, the of course the spice and the leatheriness are picking up a little bit. Like the leathery, the leather is still in the background. It's mainly cedar and sweet cedar and spice for me. Oh, definitely, point. yes, that's a good point. Sweet cedar is is definitely what's coming out for me. And it also could be the beer. The beer is super sweet. Yeah, but I I find that a, a really sweet beer like that usually kind of covers up the sweetness in the cigar a little bit more. It can, yeah, absolutely it can. I'm trying to dissect the flavors of the cigar a little bit more because I um I can't overstate how surprised I am by how good this cigar is. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's got phenomenal. so much flavor. I want to know what it is so badly now. I just hope it's not going to be a, a limited release of some kind, or I hope there won't be a, a massive fire sale. Yeah, there's a there's a dry component that I'm having trouble picking out that I can't figure out. I need to refresh with some it's, water. It's not a it's not nutmeg, is it? You know that might be a it might be like nutmeg or cinnamon. Oh, that's what it is. It's cinnamon. Ah, uh, like if you put cinnamon on on top of your coffee, like a mm-hmm. latte with cinnamon. Yeah, it's like that mouth drying kind of cinnamon flavor. Um, if there's one bad thing I can say about the cigar, it's that it I feel like it dries my palate out a little. bit. It is a little bit drying, yeah. It's a that that may be a result of the intensity. I find I find sometimes if you're getting really intense flavors, they end up drying your palate out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the same. Man, I guys, I can't wait to figure out what this cigar is because I <laughs> I want some more of them. Um, and I feel like this is a cigar we need to review because it's got like that. Oh, definitely. That level of complexity that I want to smoke three of them within the span of like a week and really figure it out and dissect it how's that last beer pairing with the cigar dinner you know uh i'm not sure i'm i'm still trying to be the you know this getting past the sweetness getting past the 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 coffee flavor of the beer i'm trying to see if it's overpowering the cigar i think it is but the almond flavor in this beer is surprisingly really prominent which normally when you have a beer that has like the biscotti break has a lot of almond in in it Mm -hmm. If you're not looking for it, you, you probably won't pick it up. And this one really stands out. It's got that almost like amaretto almond to it. Yeah. I'm, it's uh, also I'm very going bubbly. I'm my pairings now. Um, I mean, this Flanders style, it really reminds me of like a champagne kind of beer or kind of wine where it's kind of uh, – it's sweet, but it's light in flavor and kind of uh, has those tiny bubbles that are like champagne um, – and it has that palate cleansing feeling rather than uh, being intense on the palate. I'm really glad I initially I had the Explorers Club first, the Spice Road, um, and then the Flanders. And then after I tasted the Flanders, I decided this was in the green room. I decided to switch them. And I'm really glad that I did that because I feel like that's got a uh, a much it's it's just got a much lighter body than I was expecting. Yeah, my last pairing, I have to say it's. It's taking away from some of the flavors of the cigar by coating the palate a little bit too much. And that lingering coating is taking away from the flavors. Also, it's pretty strong. Like, I'm, I'm starting to feel yeah. it. And norm, normally, <laughs> normally, I'm good. You know, 14%, 15% beers all day. No problem. And, like, this one is, I think it's the bubbles too, right? Yeah. Alcohol and the, the size of the bubbles in a beer really dictate kind of the, the how fast it absorbs. And this is really, I mean, it doesn't look bubbly. It just looks like black sludge. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you can kind of see it, actually, a little bit. It's, it's pretty effervescent, which was a surprise, you know, especially for a porter. Generally, they're, they're, not, they're not that bubbly. Generally, I find the big difference between a porter and a stout, besides the body, is the porters generally have larger bubbles. Yes. Um, and it ends up having more of that, like, uh, I don't know, like soda like cola feeling on your tongue oh yeah yeah this Where is like stouts, a, uh, stouts a lot of times taste almost flat yeah that that's a really good way to put it uh definitely the stouts are are noticeably different in in terms of bubble quality and this is almost like a um for you new york people this is kind of like a manhattan special just really thick i don't know what that is i don't know if you don't you don't get that out there huh no it's a uh it's an espresso soda it's oh, like, okay. I, guess it, I guess it's a New York thing, but uh, Manhattan Special is an espresso soda, and it's got a lot of the same qualities as this beer. It, it's effervescent, and it's really kind of sour, almost. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that's what I'm getting. The, the raisin notes are a little bit sour. John, John, the cigar surgeon Reiner says he really likes the mouthfeel of a nice effervescent porter. <laughs> Which I, I just love that as a sentence. As a sentence, that's like five stars. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'd vote for you. <laughs> Um, for me, I've talked about it before. I don't, I don't love that mouthfeel of like a really effervescent porter. To me, it tastes too much like cola, and it takes away a lot of the flavor from the beer. If I have a beer or a, oh, there you go, John the cigar surgeon McTavish now rather. Um, he's finally McTavish. got all the paperwork in for his name yeah. change, um, and soon he will no longer be John the cigar surgeon Reiner. He will officially and legally be John the cigar surgeon McTavish. McTavish, yep. Which is much more fitting for uh, somebody with such uh, Scottish features. <laughs> and that, you, dude, it, you got to bring the beard back. I'm telling you, man. That, <laughs> like, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Running Man opening scene, like, working in the field, or working in the ditch, digging with the beard. Like, that's that's the look, man. <laughs> that was like Nicaragua, what was it, two years ago for your birthday, two right? Years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. That was the beard. That is a formidable beard. You're not wrong. A strong I'm just jealous because I can't. I can't grow. I can't grow a beard. Oh, I, I try. Know I try. <laughs> um, I'm. I'm still going back through my pairings. I've been. I got stuck on the Flanders red for a little while. Flanders it's, uh, is magic. It's such a yeah, weird thing. It's got like. It's so weird because it's got the body and the effervescence of a sparkling wine, but then it's got the flavor of a beer. But it's with this being aged in Pinot Noir barrels for almost two years. It's like it's a, a weird middle ground between sparkling wine and beer. It's always exciting, and I love that they use Pinot Noir for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm which guessing is not not typical for the style. I'm guessing it's Oregon Pinot Noir since we have a a boatload of Pinot Noir around here. <laughs> and John says he couldn't grow a beard until the first week he spent in Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> and building houses probably. <laughs> No, because he already had a beard when we were billing. Oh, he did. He did. That's true. He did have um, a beard already. Yeah, Nick, Nicaragua will set you straight, but I will argue Cuba will set you even more straight, as I've learned from my my uh, own experience. And and he says he's really getting involved here. Um, he says he finds wine barrels can be really hit or miss, and I agree. Yeah. Because of the style of this beer, so you missed the first part of the show. So this is a Flanders style red ale. Um, Flanders style means that they actually basically make the beer, they make the wort, um, and they age it in barrels for an unspecified period of time before they actually add any yeast whatsoever. Um, and those are unsanitized barrels, so you're actually getting some of that wine yeast left left over that's stuck in those nooks and crannies. Um, and you end up with a little bit of that like wine flavor, like you can taste the grapes, but then you also end up with some of that yeast that fermented the wine in the first place um and it's like man this is magic in a bottle <laughs> flanders is is great i love that style it's 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 so cool it's so different and we had a in new york at least we had a really big revolution probably um and now it's probably been eight eight or nine years and since that revolution i've seen it kind of drop off a little bit and people don't really talk about that style but eight or nine years ago everybody was talking about it it was in every bar yeah and that was like the thing that people wanted Interesting. This is the first one I've ever even seen on the shelf. And um, it was interesting because I I bought a bottle of it a year ago with the intention of having it on the show. And then I had it in a bar uh, that's right down the street. And I was like, wow, this is way too intense. I, I can't <laughs> pair this with a cigar. It's too sour. It's too fruity. And a year in the bottle has really settled it down. Like, um, it's got way more of a Britannomyce kind of sourness than a Lactobacillus kind of sourness. It's not like biting on your tongue. Yeah. It's more of like a, the only way I can describe it is funk. Um, let me, let me sneak another sip here. Lacto tends to be, for me at least, it tends to be a lot, uh, it's very thin in, in, uh, on yeah. the palate compared it, to a, a Brett, which is, it, it really does stick to your palate a lot more. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. So Bretts tend to I'm trying to think of what the sourness reminds me of. Um a lactobacillus can really be like a sour candy, like a lemon head or a warhead oh, yeah. or something like that, where it's like shocking to your palate. This is a way smoother kind of uh very slight sourness 
that sticks to your palate for a little bit longer. So I'm still like I took a sip about 30 seconds ago. I'm still tasting a little bit of that sourness. Um, man, I can't think of what it reminds me of. Um, kind of like uh, like a pickle brine where it's not a biting sourness, but it's kind of a sourness that sits on your tongue. Oh, the lingering. Bit. Yeah. Um, where a lactobacillus kind of sourness is more like biting into a lemon. Like it's like suddenly your palate is like, what is happening? Um, and it's, it can, it can result in the same kind of shock that you get from like really intense hops. How's that cigar treating you? Oh man, this cigar is so good. I can't wait to find out what it is. It's killing me. <laughs> I'm going to email an exciting our person cigar. in general and let her know that this cigar is like blowing my mind. Fantastic. Um, and I have no idea what it is. Like, that's the really interesting thing about this is we went into this completely blind. It's not one of those, like those biased kind of situations where you're like, you know, you're smoking an Opus X, you're expecting it to be great because of the level of, yeah. uh, you know, the price and the prestige that comes with it. With this cigar, we're smoking a Partagas, and we don't know what it is. Like, it's just a Partagas. Um, I I mean, it's I don't know if it's better or not, because I've only had one Partagas 150, um, but it's up there with the Partagas 150 for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. I've had a couple of those, and I always really enjoy those, and for me, that's kind of in that same wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I could... I could spend the next 20 minutes like guessing what they're going to call this because um, General is trying to, um, as, as we've seen in the last couple of years, they're trying to kind of bring back blends that from before. They're, they're not necessarily making a new blend or a new, they're not coming out with a new brand. They're coming out with a new version of a blend that existed. Um, so I'm really interested to see what this is because I, I could see this being the new Partagas 150. Oh, yeah. With the level of construction and like the super intense flavors and uh, just how good it is, really I nice and oily it. too. Yeah, it's. I'll hold it up one more time. It was just it. It's beautiful to look at. Like it's. it's the got construction that is oily insane. Sheen. Man, my frame rate is going weird. I don't know. And and I don't know if, if you, you guys remember seeing that or not, but my frame rate is like funky, like twenty frames per second instead of thirty. Sorry, go for, ahead, Dan. For a hand for a handmade product, like think about that for a second. This a handmade product, it is just solid. That is mm-hmm. not easy to do at all for a handmade product to get that level of consistency and that level of quality, of course, in the just the, the wrapper, the look, the feel, the the smoke, the the firmness of the cigar was even throughout. And yeah, it's not a small is, cigar. Yeah, for a seven inch it cigar, it's very impressive that the level of quality that it has. Um, which I mean, we're not blowing smoke up up General's ass or anything. Um, oh, interesting, hey, if, Jeff. If it's good, it's, uh, if it's good, it's good. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna beat around the bush or anything. If it's bad, we're gonna say it's bad, and if it's oh, good, absolutely. we're gonna say it's good. And this, I I don't normally expect this level of construction out of most products from General, except for the really higher echelon stuff. Um, and th- this was like that. It's it's hard to put into words, but you know when you buy a cigar and you look closely at it and you're like blown away by the construction, like you're like, how is the cap so smooth? Yeah. Like all the seams are smooth. That was this kind of cigar. I took it out of the cellar this morning to take some pictures of it, and it was like, wow, it looks amazing. And I I just wasn't expecting. So with that, we're gonna call it a night. Um, we've got just a tiny bit of cigar left. What was your pairing of the night, Dennis? You know, man, I uh, I, I just went through mine, and I'm going to go with my first double IPA, Crooked Bull- Labels, Labels by Bolero Snort in New Jersey. Uh, it The edge that it had with the mango really pops with the cigar, especially now at this point, you know, the last third, a little bit hotter, a little warmer smoke. It fits really, it fits really well, and it fit throughout the whole process of the smoke as well. Unfortunately, I, I wanted to say the donut, but it's just too sweet, and it takes away from the essence of the cigar. What about you? Um, I, I was going to say the Elijah Craig when I first tasted it, but after going back to that Freem Flanders style red, um, that style just has that character that can go with every single part of the cigar, and it's constantly cleansing your palate, and um, it doesn't. it's not at the level where it's got so many flavors that it competes with the cigar, but it's got enough flavor that the cigar is not killing it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say the uh, I'll hold it up again. The Flanders style red from Freem Brewing. Those uh, guys always have really nice labels. Just wanted to say that they've just got like the, just this is how crisp. all their labels look. 
they've really got crisp. you've got this label with either a black background or a white background. Black means that it's a uh, a regular beer. White means it's barrel aged. They've got really simple branding that works really well for them. And I'm not even going to comment on what Jun Lu's doing, but uh, it's funny. So look at the comments <laughs> if you want to find out about that. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you for all of our podcast listeners. We appreciate you guys out there uh, in by the thousands. Um, and, of course, thank you to everybody who's listening on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Uh, we appreciate you guys out there doing things oh, we're yeah. just not built to do. And remember, here on Sharing Our Pairings, we want you to drink better, but we want you to drink less.